Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. And welcome, everyone, to our April edition of Law Technology Now. I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News here in New York, and we have two fantastic guests today. And we're going to be talking about our cover story, which I wrote. And they are the features of our two guests today are the fabulous Graham Smith and William Bice, equally fabulous. And before I have them tell you a little bit about where they started and where they are now, I'm going to remind you that there are three different ways you can listen to our podcast. One is at lawtechnologynow.com, the ALM site. The second is at legaltalknetwork.com, which is obviously Legal Talk Network site. And as I always say, because we're so cool, we are in the iTunes podcast library. So in the April edition of Law Technology News, our cover story is called Act Two. And we profiled Bill Bice, who is the co-founder and chair of Liquid Practice and the CEO of Exemplify. But you just might know him better as the creator of ProLaw. And Graham Smith, who is the founder and CEO of Opus 2 International. And he founded and ran Smith Burnell International, but you probably remember him better for the production and the crea- creation of Live Note. So I'm going to turn really quickly to Bill and tell us a little bit, Bill, about when you established ProLaw and what it did, and then we'll hear from Graham on what Live Note is. Go ahead, Bill. Thanks, Monica. First of all, it's great to be talking with you again. That's one of the Pleasures of coming back into the legal market was that I got to uh, got to hang out with Monica Bay again. Oh, you're so, so sweet. ProLaw is something that that grew out of a consulting business that I had in in high school, actually, and did did work for uh, various law firms and ended up turning that into uh, into a product. And the thing that that we did, and it took a, a really long time to to figure out how to run the company and how to build it and how to understand law firms. Um, I'm, I don't have a JD. I've never practiced law. And that, I think, actually has turned out to be a, a real competitive advantage because I had to go out and, and actually listen to attorneys and really understand how they wanted to run their practices. And I think the, the most unique thing that we did with ProLaw is that we, we were really the first truly integrated system that brought all of a law firm's uh, functions into into one one platform, and we grew that over uh, a number of years and got to the point where the last five years we started to really get it down, and we were almost doubling the uh, the company uh, every year. And this was over a, a total span of about fifteen years. And at the end of that run, we we sold the company to uh, to Thompson. And Graham, tell us a little bit about LiveNote and how it started. And interestingly, both products launched the same year, and both Bill and Graham are dropouts. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Well, like like Bill, I just want to say what a pleasure it is to be back uh, in the industry, and particularly, again, spending some time with yourself, Monica, and, uh, oh, and some of the old you. friends that uh, long missed. Um, basically, LiveNote, it was a concept I came up with back in uh, sort of very, very early 90s. Um, 
And the initial concept of live note was it allowed lawyers, judges in courts, depositions, arbitrations to have instant access to transcript testimony, uh, eliminating largely the manual note-taking process that took place in those hearings. The product sort of evolved over a period of time um, to become a fairly sophisticated uh, transcript uh, exhibit and video management product. Um, and we brought it to the States in the mid-90s uh, and, and initially got a lot of the major court reporting firms to replicate our proven strategy in the UK of using LiveNet as a service differentiator. That resulted in a considerable amount of traction and, and eventually the law firms themselves started investing in the product as a strategic transcript management tool um, for managing all transcripts, videos, and exhibits. And that's really the background of LiveNet. And I have to tell the audience that uh, I met Graham many years ago, and fortunately, the timing worked really well when the American Bar Association was having its annual meeting in London, and Graham invited me over to London Dairy, and I was very, very lucky to meet uh, the, the judge of the Bloody Sunday Inquiry and Mark Seville and watch in, in the courtroom how this product was used, and it was amazingly dramatic. The the thing I remember the most, Graham, was the ability for the witnesses to have a visual uh, map, if you will, of what Londonderry was like at the time of the incident and what it was present day, and to be able to literally touch a, a, a pad, almost like an iPad, to transition from the old to the new, which was very effective to help the, the judges and, and everyone understand what had gone on. So uh, it, we I wrote a, an article about it. It was very exciting. Yeah, and Lord Savile has always been, if you like, at the forefront of technology, quite unusual for a judge, particularly an English judge. So, uh, And of course, um, you know, we're with him again now. He's actually uh, um, going to be involved um, in um, pre- uh, presenting our new technology at the arbitration conference in Singapore. So. Oh, that's fantastic. He has retired, so he's now doing a lot of that type of thing. Uh, Bill and Graham, it must have been a difficult decision, even though it's probably the holy grail of every vendor in legal technology to come up with a product that they can sell to either what is now Thomson Reuters um, or to LexisNexis or to Walters Kluwer. And, and now that, that potential selling market has expanded that we've seen um, even companies like HP and Symantec get into the writing check industry. What was it that made you each decide it's time to go to the next chapter? Let's start with you, Bill. Well, we, we didn't set out to, to sell the company. That wasn't the, the intention at all. But we had we had heard through the grapevine that uh, that West was going to buy somebody in the practice management uh, area. And of course, they had put a big investment into a product called Westworks, which was which was way ahead of its time. It was it was a cloud offering uh, before we, we used the term cloud. And it and it just didn't work. And so their next try was going to be to buy somebody who was uh, established and knew the market and had clients and all those kinds of things. And we didn't really like the idea of them buying one of our competitors and, and making them stronger. So we decided to, to try to introduce ourselves into into that mix. And we were a little more successful at that than, uh, than we uh, really uh, intended to be. And it, it 
culminated into into strategy that uh, that we really liked, and we ended up uh, ended up selling the company. And most folks who sell their their companies or their products. Uh, from what we've all observed over the last 20 years, tend to take the check and maybe do a little consulting, but pretty much, you know, go off into retirement or hobbies or whatever. But you are one of the rare folks who actually went and worked at Thompson West at the time um, and stayed with the company and stayed with your product for three years. Tell us a little bit about what you did and why, why you made that decision to, to stay actively involved with the product. Well, it was, it was my product and I, and I wanted to to stay with it. And I came in very open-minded into, I I never worked for anybody before. And so the, and, and therefore had never been in a large, uh, a large corporation either. So it was a completely new experience. And there were a tremendous amount of things that, that I learned. Mike Willens kind of took me under his, his wing and I got to be on the, even though Prolaw was, was relatively small compared to the, the overall breadth of West, uh, because we were the entree for the, for Mike's software strategy, um, I got to be on the management team uh, of West, and so I was sitting on a, uh, you know, the management committee for a multi-billion-dollar-a-year uh, company, and so the the learning experience that came from that was was just amazing. I went through the uh, Thompson General Management uh, program. I got to be on the other side of the table when we turned around and and purchased Elite. Which um, that's one of those things you find out uh, after they buy your company, which is that you're you're sort you're really sort of the test to find out if they want to buy the bigger one. There was Elite was really the only company in the market that was larger than us. They were much larger than us, uh, and and they were the real prize that uh, uh, that Thompson was interested in. And so I got to uh, essentially immediately swivel around and go to the other side and experience the acquisition in in a span of two years from uh, from both sides of the transaction. The, all of that was just invaluable. And then I also got to do something else that was really amazing, which is I, I met Forrest Rhodes at West, who was sort of the the mad scientist of West and has created uh, you know some of the biggest businesses that they have, like Keysight, for example. And he had created a technology that uh, uh, that was really amazing. It was sort of the holy grail in the practice management space, which is to find reusable work product. And so I created the division, West KM, that took his product to market because uh, I didn't really know any better and it didn't bother me to uh, potentially compete with other divisions within West. And so I essentially got to do a startup within uh, a very large company. And so that was a great experience, too. And Graham, uh, uh, for your experience, what was it that made you decide it was time to sell LiveNote? Well, I think like Bill, um, we weren't proactively um, uh, contemplating selling the company. Um, at the time um, when we did sell, um, the, the, the big players like uh, Thompson and Lexus had entered the mitigation space. They had, um, I think Lexus had bought up products like uh, Concordance and Casemap. Um, and, you know, we were pretty widely used software, certainly transcript management. We were fairly dominant in that space. And, um, you know, we were approached by, uh, Thompson and, um, 
uh, you know, two or three of the other uh, players wanted to uh, buy us as well. We felt the most suitable uh, acquirer was uh, was Thompson. There was a, a better fit. We felt, and um, and I think for me it was um, it, it wasn't just moving off into the sunset and um, uh, sort of retiring and, and selling the company. I was obviously concerned about you know what happens to the company going forward. The staff who had um, committed themselves for so many years to the success of the business. And um, and again, we've just felt much more comfortable selling the business to Thompson. Um, but I think the it's like all things in life. You know, there is a time that a business reaches when it makes sense. Um, uh, it, it reaches a, a certain limit in terms of what you can do with it. And if if you know all the the factors are right, the price, the timing, the people, the acquirer, that sort of thing, um, then then it's not a bad thing to sell. And, and that really was the motivation uh, at the time. Uh, one more question before we take a quick break. For both of you, what was perhaps the biggest surprise that you learned or the biggest lesson you learned in selling to, you know, one of the giants uh, in the industry? Um, Graham, let's start with you. Um, biggest surprise. I think for me, the biggest surprise was um, the fact that they, um, they they didn't really want too much of my ongoing involvement. One of the things I'd done was build up a fairly autonomous team here in the States um, and my, I was residing in the UK and, and uh, part of the time in Italy. So, um, the, you know, they they wanted to call me in as and when necessary, and and certainly turn turn up at some of the trade shows and things. But they didn't really want my involvement too much going forward. I think they wanted to put their own uh, stamp on things. And um, and you know, I suppose some some of that surprised me. But um, you know, I think uh, that was probably the main thing. And Bill, how about you? Well, I mentioned probably the biggest surprise, which is that we were sort of the test case to to then turn around and buy uh, Elite. But the other thing I would mention that's that's really more about just large companies and not um, specific to this transaction is is uh, having not had that experience before, I didn't really get until I was in it how much a large company is sort of about the internal market as opposed to the external market. Uh, you're you know, your career in a large company is really driven by how successful you are within the internal market dynamics of the company as opposed to what's happening with, with customers. And when you come from a small company environment where everything is 100% driven by the customer, it, it's a little bit of a shock to the system. Well, those are both fascinating insights. And we're going to take a quick break to hear from our two wonderful sponsors, Firm Manager by LexisNexis and Harvest Software. We'll be right back. If you're like many solo and small firm attorneys, it can be challenging to manage both your practice and give your clients the attention they need. Well, now you can do it all free for 30 days with LexisNexis Firm Manager. Built from the ground up for attorneys like you, it's an easy way to get organized, master your business, and keep your clients happy. Firm Manager is secure, web-based, and mobile, so you can manage your practice anytime, anywhere, from your laptop, smartphone, iPad, or tablet. No IT hassles, no long-term commitments, and best of all, no more worries about what needs to be done. Get your free 30-day trial of LexisNexis Firm Manager today at firmmanager.com LTN. That's firmmanager.com LTN. Reap the rewards of your billable time. Harvest is an uncomplicated time capture solution used by law firms and related firms like the Bar Association and LexisNexis. 
Capture your billable time from anywhere. Surprise client call? Get it on record by starting a timer on your computer. Working off-site? Track billable hours from your mobile device. No sticky notes, no hassles. Visit getharvest.com slash law for a free 30-day trial. That's getharvest.com slash law. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. And we're back. Our guests today are Graham Smith, who is the founder and CEO of Opus 2 International, and Bill Bice, who is the co-founder and chair of Liquid Practice and CEO of Exemplify. Uh, we, we have about 10 minutes left, and I, I would like both of you to talk to us a little bit about your new products and companies and what you're up to. And, and Graham, let's start with you and uh, your new product, Magnum. Okay, so Magnum um, is is basically a, a, a simple, easy-to-use interface um, that allows lawyers and uh, their colleagues to access, manage uh, all work product across transcripts, documents, and even research. Um, it's a cloud-based um, offering, which means um, it, it doesn't run on the service of the law firm. They can access the uh, materials from anywhere. And, of course, because of that, it's very easy then to collaborate with co-workers irrespective of where they are. Um, and um, that product um, is um, fa- very much an open product. We're not trying to address the, the whole document review uh, discovery side of things. Um, and we've adopted a, an open approach whereby we can actually integrate with products like Relativity, iConnect, um, and uh, Clearwell, Ringtail as well. Um, and the idea is that documents can pass to and from into our environment from those environments and, and likewise the metadata to and from. So it's basically what the product does. So I remember when you were explaining it to me that one of the things you focused on was this will be particularly helpful, as you told me, to companies once they or, or litigants once they have com- pretty much completed the the a uh, discovery culling and and identifying documents and then they're moving forward to to decide what strategies they do. Uh, I know you had a very high profile case that you were involved in that has just completed the litigation and is now sitting with the judge. Can you tell us a little bit about that as an example of 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 how how Magnum works? Uh, for litigators? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the the problem with a lot of technology is um, it's it's designed for technologists or people who operate inside what I call the engine room of law firms. And there really isn't a lot of um, tools out there that allow lawyers and their clients, if you like, to um, access documents, transcripts, whatever it might be, and then um, proceed to mark up those documents in the same way they do with hard copy add um, little sticky notes, and, and then be able to share and manage that information from anywhere. Um, we introduced the Magnum technology to the parties involved in the uh, Berezovsky versus Abramovich uh, litigation, uh, which um, started, uh, the actual trial started in October, but we introduced the technology back in April last year, and um, there were five major law firms involved in that. And immediately, once they saw the interface, um, they decided that they wanted to prepare the trial bundle 
all the documents from the Magnum technology. And then after that, it was one seamless interface um, moving all the way to trial. So the transcripts um, uh, were then loaded on a daily basis into Magnum. Uh, once the judge actually saw the technology, and she was not a computer literate uh, person, she she was really a bit of a technophobe. But because of the 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 benefits that she got from having hyperlinked uh, documents that supported pleadings, closing submissions, hyperlinked documents within transcripts, um, the benefit was there. Yet the learning curve was very insignificant. And at that point, the judge again, like Lord Savile in the in the Bloody Sunday inquiry, became very much a driving force behind bringing the technology into the trial. And Bill, how about you? Tell us a little bit about Liquid Practice, a new practice management system, and Exemplify, which I think has one of the greatest product names I've heard in a long time. Well, thank you. We, we spent, uh, it, was, it was a struggle coming up with uh, the right name for, uh, for Exemplify, and, uh, and we like it too. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, about how I got to this point. So the, yes, please. I think the thing that I did in the in the transition out of Thompson is we went and raised and uh, and started a small venture capital fund that that today would be called a super angel fund, meaning entrepreneurs that come together to to invest. And what I've been doing, sort of in the intervening time, I've been out of the out of the legal market for uh, about seven years now, um, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't uh, wasn't watching. Uh, the market and and reading LTN all this time, and one of the things that happened is that the the you know the really great folks the the team that we built at Prolaw, those people started to slowly coalesce around other projects that uh, that I was working on uh, with our uh, fund Verge, and so when a particular op- opportune thing happened, which is sort of the most interesting thing that I think Microsoft has done in about the last 20 years, and that's come out with Office 365. And so, you know, a lot of firms, uh, well, I should rephrase that. Some firms have tried to go into the cloud with Google Apps, and I think it's very challenging for the majority of firms to do so with where the product's at today, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. But there really wasn't an alternative, and now Microsoft has has created one, and I saw Office 365 as a really great opportunity to completely rethink practice management. And we're essentially repeating the same mistakes of the past, the same exact issues that we were dealing with in the late 80s and early 90s of all of these point products within law firms that you then have to figure out how to integrate and make all this stuff work together and all these separate vendors that you have to deal with. That was the problem we were we set out to solve with ProLaw. That whole paradigm is being recreated now that everybody's moving into, is in the process of moving to the cloud. And what we have once again is point products that do very specific things where that piece goes into the cloud, which is actually very challenging because it was difficult to integrate point products within the firm. Now it's really challenging to integrate them when they're in the cloud. However, Office 365 gave us a platform where we could build a brand new from the ground up practice management system that automates the whole firm and does it on servers that are run and maintained and security is done by Microsoft. And so that, that's what brought me back to the market because there's this cool opportunity to completely redefine practice management, which, which I just think is a lot of fun. And a quick sentence about about your second product. 
So Exemplify is in a completely different market. That's for it's targeted at large law firms, particularly the the corporate M and A departments, the folks who are doing the absolute critical transactions. And it is something that is designed to help you achieve that perfection that you have to have under intense pressure on those most crucial deals. Well, it's been a very, very exciting program, and and I encourage our listeners to take a look at the April issue of Law Technology News. It's our cover story, Act 2, and we go into a lot more details about what it was like to come back and to be competing against your own product that you created. And it's just fascinating. We could easily talk for two hours, if not more, on this. Uh, I want to warmly thank both of my guests and ask each of you to tell our listeners, if they want to reach out to you, how can, what's the best way? Bill, for you? Thanks, Monica. It's been, it's been a pleasure. The easiest email address for me is bill at billbice.com. Fabulous. And Mr. Graham. And likewise, it's been a great pleasure being back in. I'm looking forward to some nice lunch with you today, Monica. Um, but Graham too. Smith Bernal, B-E-R-N-A-L at opus2international.com. Rather long-winded, I'm afraid. You can find the story starting uh, April 1st at www.lawtechnologynews.com. And I want to remind you again that there are three ways to find this podcast at lawtechnologynow.com, legaltalknetwork.com, and at the iTunes uh, podcast library. Uh, Special shout-outs, as always, to Eric Press and David Snow in New York and the fabulous producer David Jasper. To Lou Ann Reeb, Mike Hockman, and Kate Kenny, all equally fabulous, in Boston at the Legal Talk Network. And to remind you, as always, especially in April, there's no crying in baseball or technology. I'm Monica Bay, and we will see you in May. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.